This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that might be a hit with the crowd Uh, today. Well, I'm so glad. Welcome back, everybody, to Five on Three WFUV Sports Podcast for all things hockey. And I have a very very special crew here with me today. I'm Samantha Bohr for all of those of you at home. Joining me today, we have Lou Orlando, James Burley, some staples on 5 on 3, and for the first time ever, Jack Warner! Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Jack Warner has been such a staple this year in our uh, hockey coverage here at WFUV. He was an Islanders beat reporter for a large portion of the season, and his coverage was excellent. So, though his season came to a sad early end, much like the majority of us mm. in this room. Pretty much all of us. Pretty Speak much all of us, minus uh, Mr. James Burley over there across from me. Yeah, yeah it's been a sad season and for uh, many of us. But anyways, welcome, Jack Warner. Before we get too far into it, James and Lou, how are we today? Go first, Lou. I'm <laughs> I'm here because this is Jack Warner's first episode. I was uh, not. Ass- I was not. On. I was not assigned this podcast. I saw Jack Warner was on it, and I was like, I have to be there. And then the Rangers lost, and I was like, I might as well attend the Rangers funeral as well. Mm-hmm. So me blush. I'm doing okay. I'm really excited for Jack Warner. He's really hot, so this is like awesome. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, the heat, we can feel it throughout the room right here. Oh, it's warm. It's warm. Anyone else? It's warm in here. All right. Oh, my God. This is the type of, like, (laughs) the ice ice is melting on five on three right now. We haven't really (laughs) seen this type of heat in a minute. What an opener. So, yeah, I mean, we said, like, we're pumped to have Jack here. We are. This is the first time we've ever recorded anything together on the air. So I'm especially pumped. Uh, We talked about what other teams went down what teams are going through i'm obviously really excited to talk about that we know who who is there and who isn't if you're listening to this podcast you're probably a hockey fan so i would hope and if you recognize my voice you know who i like yeah so I'll, I'll leave it at that so you're, take over. you're either a hockey fan or you're a fan of any of us which if that's true then you should know who our team shout is. out thank you um let us begin by with some sad some sadness so we can end on a hot high for james i guess mm. but like I, I i don't mind the devils i like them anyways I've, as I've said the whole year, so don't call me a bandwagon fan because I'm not. Um, Lou and I, mm. very sad end of the year for Mr. Orlando and I as the Rangers taken down Game 7 by the one and only Devils. I guess we'll get all into it here, but we can talk a little bit more about the Devils and their new series later, which is not off to the hottest start ever. Um, yeah, Lou and I both got to witness a game at the Garden each over this series, as did James. And uh, my game, I saw, I went to game three, saw a horrible loss. I guess it wasn't that bad, could have been worse, but it was a loss. Lou saw an epic win for the Rangers, but man, oh man, was this a disappointing series for that team, just above and beyond, truly, what everyone expected in terms of uh, their wildest nightmares. And it is exactly what came true. You know what I mean? I guess they took it to game seven, the greatest two words in sports. However... Everyone expected this team to come home with a cup this year. They expected this team to end the year with rings on their fingers and kissing Lord Stanley. And all they have to kiss is each other goodbye. Mm. They are, man, in a poor position, I think, for next year now because morale is really low with this fan base at this point. They are disappointed. They are upset. Everyone thought this was the year. You go out, you get Kane, you get Tarasenko, you acquire Mott, you get everyone that you went and you were like, this is our year. We're doing all of this because this is our year. And man, oh man, was it not your year? You got beat by a team, which, yes, they were a higher seed in the conference. 
However, this was a team that was one of the lowest teams in the NHL last year. And everyone expected so much of you this year, and it just did not happen. And Lou, I know you are a big Rangers fan, and you are very sad um, at this point. Or maybe you've recovered a little bit, but hit us, I suppose, with your immediate thoughts. Yeah, I don't know if, like, the raw emotion, it's, I've recovered from that. But what's lingering is, honestly, it's worse because there's really this really big pessimistic feeling within me, and I think within a lot of Rangers fans, and I think it all boils down to, listen, it's one thing to lose to the Devils. James, you know, even as a Rangers fan, I've been very respectful of the Devils. I've come on this air and I've talked about how scared I was about playing the Devils. And I thought that the, uh, next to the Bruins, they were the toughest, the second toughest team that the Rangers were going to play in this postseason. I didn't like the matchup. And I was going to be, there was a role where I was okay with the Rangers losing to the Devils in seven, but not like this. Mm-hmm. The, how lifeless they were. And then you start to have these conversations where, this felt like the year. I know it's only been a few years since the Rangers rebuild, but the Rangers really expedited their rebuild by signing Panarin, by extending Zabanjad and Kreider. And you look at really the only kids that they have, it's Hedl, Lafreniere, Kako, and then it's Miller. And, you know, you throw in Schneider in that mix mm-hmm. as well, but your, playmaker, your playmakers for the most part, it's those four. And you really look at this team, there's not a ton of youth. Like The Devils are a team that came out of a rebuild and they're poised for success for what feels like a long time. This felt like the Rangers' best chance to do something. You're never going to have a roster this talented again. You're never going to be able to go out there and trade for Kane and Tarasenko. And they didn't even give up that much to make those trades, but you don't have that much you know, draft and prospects to be able to trade off. And you're already kind of in a cast-based hell where, you know, Heedle's already been extended. You're probably extending Kako and maybe even Lafreniere, and you're definitely, I think, extending Miller. So you keep looking at this cap space, and you and you go, there's really not much to work with. This felt like the year. This felt like the push. And now I'm at a point where I'm doubting myself going, was last year a fluke? Because, uh, let's face it, if Crosby doesn't get hurt, if Trooper doesn't knock Crosby out of that series, the Rangers yeah. probably go down in that first-round series to the Penguins, losing to backup goaltender Louis Domingue. Yeah. And if, right, if, if that happens... <laughs> How are we talking about this team? We're not talking about them as a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I do think that run was amazing and really showed us what the Rangers were all about. But uh, there's reason to have doubts about this team. I don't want to be in this spot, but, like, yeah, I'm in my bag, dude. But the other part that I think about this whole series that's also hard to stomach is that I almost feel like it would be easier to accept the loss, both just the Rangers fan base, the Rangers players, if this was, like, a sweep or getting absolutely smoked by the Devils through and through in the entire series. Because then it'd be we were outplayed, we were outmatched. It's we lost, whatever. But Lou and I specifically, I remember having a conversation after Game Two. They mm-hmm. go up, they dominate the first two games. You go into this Game Three, and Lou and I were having genuine conversations about, okay, if the Rangers win Game Three, is this a sweep? Yeah. Because we were both under pretty much full conviction that if Rangers win Game Three, they're winning Game Four right. as well. And I don't think I've ever seen such a intense momentum shift mm. in a series like that yeah I, I told nick i told james like after the first two games i made a point to not get overconfident because i've yes. seen the rangers come down from two nothing i've seen the rangers blow two nothing leads so i made a point to be like this series is not over but i really felt like if the rangers took one game at home after winning the first two that the series was over and they couldn't do that and when they lost both games at home that's yeah. when you got scared, and deep in my heart of hearts, I really felt like the team that won Game 5 was going to win the whole series, and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what you texted me after Game 2? 
What did I text you? You asked me, should <clears throat> excuse me, should Akira oh, Schmidt? Oh, I do remember this. Start, and I said no because Akira mm. Schmidt, his goaltending wasn't the problem. Yeah, and I was. Like, I agree with you. It wasn't. I looked at Vanacek's play in Game One, and he had two soft goals <laughs> that were not good. And then Game Two, I thought he was fine, and then they, and then the Rangers really just turned it up. That Kreider goal and the power play, <laughs> that little flick was mm-hmm. just disgusting, and. <laughs> Chris Kreider, he blamed himself after the series. He's a dog. He's and, so dog. And look, that, that's the guy you want in your locker room. Chris Kreider, through yeah. and through, has my respect for sure. Um, I just wanted to point that out because he was terrific all series long. He was a, a thorn in the devil's side. And for him to come away and say, I had a minus four in, a, in game seven, that's not good enough. He was the lifeblood through that series. He was the guy in front of the net, lethal. And I just want to talk about m- me saying that Akira Schmidt shouldn't have started game three is just the biggest, like, dunk on myself ever because <laughs> he was phenomenal that game three turned the series around yeah. and specifically it was the moment with the penalty between Shesterkin and Meyer when yeah. Meyer is pushed into Shesterkin does he kind of lean into Igor maybe a bit is there is it that malicious perhaps I don't, I don't really know but Shesterkin going and punching him with the blocker on that's <laughs> definitely a penalty and the Devils tied the game 1-1 on that power play yeah and then they sent it to overtime and won if the Rangers win that game Series is over, even if it's not a sweep. That's the Rangers series to win. The Devils are not going to win four in a row. Mm-hmm. It would just be improbable, if not impossible. The yeah. Devils came out in game four and a shutdown game. Yeah, They played their game through and through. And if not for Vinny Trocek getting a good bounce on that goal in the third period, I think the Devils cruised that game, get a shutout. <laughs> and I think that's what we saw in games five and seven, too. When the Devils played their game, they were that much of a better team than the Rangers. The Devils struggled to play their game in the games that they lost, though. And it's because the Rangers were able to find early goals through the power play. And once they did that, the Rangers could close the space, could make the Devils skating really hard. And that's what the Hurricanes were able to do in game one. And I know we're going to talk about that later, but that's just the Devils, their their modus operandi. They need to control the pace and they need to control the game. And if they don't do that, they're at a big disadvantage, especially when they give up an early goal in the playoffs. So the Rangers... to not be able to capitalize on the power play in those other games, I think, killed them. It did. And I think their ability at five-on-five, five, just with the, the the profile of players they have, was never going to be able to match up to New Jersey, even with guys like Kane and Tarasenko in the team, which is why I look at last year's team. You say it was a magical run. I think the Rangers legitimately were good enough for that, and I think they were good enough to do something similar this year. But the Devils at five-on-five five are just a run-it-and-gun-it team that the likes of the Rangers were not able to keep up with. And Igor Shosturkin coming out of that press conference saying, next year will be a different Igor. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching. Like, it's not your fault, you Igor. Yeah. You are you are 100%, I think, at your best, the best goalie in the world. I don't think that's a discussion. Yeah. I think we talked about Ilya Sorokin having a better season this year. And was Sorokin's season this year better than Shosturkin's Vesna season? This was a fun conversation. I still think you take, you take the season conversation away. Igor Shosturkin is the best goalie in the world. You cannot expect him to have to up his game for this team. And even if he does, the Rangers' cap problem... It wouldn't have mattered because they weren't scoring goals. Well, yeah. Unless Igor was getting shutouts and then we just lose it over time. Yeah, I think that, like, that's... that You said it exactly. The problem was that they started off so hot on the power play. You know, Chris Kreider was the first player in NHL history to score four or more power play goals within their first two games in a playoff year in a series. He was the first player in NHL history to do that. He was the first Rangers player in NHL in uh, Rangers history to have five power play goals within the first five games in a series. He did it in three. He was uh, he had more power play goals within those first two games. Or he had as many sorry power play goals within those first two or three games 
as people did in the entirety of the playoffs last year. However, and that is a true fact, eight people in the playoffs last year had five power play goals. Chris Kreider did it in three periods of play, and they did it in the entirety of the 2022 playoffs. That is the difference, is you can't rely on one person. Chris Kreider's a dog. You yeah. said it, Lou. He is a dog. He got that dog, dog in him. You can't rely on him, and once <laughs> they stop, that's him. Uh, precisely. Once he, <laughs> once he stopped scoring on the power play, they were done. That's the thing is because that's where they were scoring. That's where they were getting, you know, those 5 nothing games, those 5 6 nothing, 5-1 games. Mm. That's where that was happening because they're not good at what they need to do 5-on-5 five five against a team like the Devils. They were outskated. They were outplayed. And that's just the simple fact of it. Games 1 and 2, everyone was like, this is the Rangers team we've been waiting for. But I genuinely think a lot of that came from the Devils' nerves. I think it came from mm-hmm. a lot of these kids are young, have never been in a playoff series before, let alone a playoff series with this much pressure when you have home ice advantage against your rival, who literally is across the river. I think that this series just showed that, you know, once the Devils got comfortable, they got comfortable. And they're good, and they frankly deserve to win. I oh, might yeah. like the Rangers. They deserve to win through and through. If the Rangers had won, I would have said that is unfair to the Devils. Once the Devils woke up, they were clearly the better team. Yes. And I think even you look at Game 6 when the Rangers win, and they win with a big margin, they still got dominated in the 5v5 metrics. You look at the 5v5 metrics for the entire series, and the Devils have the advantage, but particularly from Games 3 on, the Devils yeah. own the 5v5 metrics. And it's just... The Rangers never had a response, and that's why I kind of laugh cynically when you look at Gallant and the the kind of the <laughs> bre- the breakdown press conference the other day when he goes, "I can't believe I have to answer these questions about getting fired," and kind of takes a couple oh, shots, New York City. a couple shots at the media, and it's like, listen, it's like On I get it. Day. You've had he referenced like <laughs> okay. regular season, and it's like day. I guess you haven't been around Yankee fans enough for the regular season. Just doesn't doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. But like, listen, it's like. I'm not going to say sit here and say that the Rangers haven't had two pretty solid regular seasons. Last year was good. This year was eh. They never really got into a groove, but it was always like, whatever. They get to the playoffs, look at the talent on this team, they'll take it into another notch. They didn't take it into another gear, and the fact that you go up 2 nothing, and once the Devils answer that you never had a response, and the fact that, like, Game 5, your backs are against the wall, that's a deciding game, and you don't show up, you get shut out. Game 7, you get shut out, like... Guys, that just can't happen. You had to combine two goals over four games in this playoff series. I'm looking around the league, looking at all these awesome playoff matchups, and what's crazy to me is that I think objectively, this was the to our just an objective fan that's not has doesn't have any yeah. fan interest in the series. This was the second worst series behind only I would say Winnipeg Vegas. <laughs> like that like and that yeah. I don't think I watched a second of Winnipeg Vegas, I'm not going to lie. Everyone this, knew how that was going to go. Right. Yeah. Like this series was awful even though it went to 7 games, like each game except for game 3 was lopsided Worse. and this was supposed to be the best series of round 1. And just honestly, it wasn't that entertaining and the Rangers just didn't show up and that's like when I look at Gallant and the rumor around the league is he's not great with like X's and O's he's supposed to be a motivational guy and you can't motivate the guys for a game seven listen I get a lot of it falls on the players but like at the end of the day you also have to point back to the coaching staff right you gotta make some type of adjustment it never happened nope but that's why I felt like that game six win almost felt like not to me, it didn't feel like it was staying alive in the series. It was just making sure we don't lose this series in Madison Square Garden. Like that's more <laughs> that's more how it felt like to me. Yeah, but you look at the yeah, way they came out in Game Seven. It really does 
feel that way. It, yeah, I think all in all, we can agree it was disappointing. You know, like you said, a lot of people saying, is Gallant going to be fired at the end of this year? You know, there have been rumors. Ryan Mead, one of Lou and I's I favorite Rangers Twitter people, so Ryan Mead tweeted that he thinks Gallant's going to be fired, and he thinks that Joel Quenville or Andrew <sighs> Brunette is going to be hired. I, be I don't, Quenville. okay, I'm going to... St- Put the brakes on the Andrew Burnett train right there because I don't see that happening. You think he's staying with the? I'm saying I think he's staying as the associate coach of the Devils to eventually take over for Lindy Ruff when he moves on. It, if it's Quenville, that's gross but mismanagement. It, you can't do that. See, yeah, yeah. I, I'll throw out some other coaching names though. Let's do it. Laviolette. I would. Love, I'd be down okay. for Daryl Sutter. I don't want Daryl Sutter. I'm no, I've heard he is. I heard he is a cancer in the locker room. I, I, I don't want that. Calgary. I don't want I'm that. Okay. Potentially, potentially Mike Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And and NCAA winning coach Rand Pecknold might be ready for the move from Quinnipiac to the NHL. Okay, that is that, 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 that's the fun one. That's that would, the fun. That's one a fun we could big move moving from Quinnipiac to the New York Rangers. It's, but I get it. The Rangers have done that before. They brought Go in Quinnipiac. BC coaches. They're not afraid True. to bring in college coaches. This Which, maybe that's before. what you need. Here's a legit question Ryan Mead posed: When's the last time you've actually like loved a Rangers coach? Tortorella. Mm. I, I think I think that's it. I enjoy fun. Tortorella. Tortorella enjoy is fun, man. He's even, crazy, even he had like his Mandy major Rack. flaws, like he hated Kreider, he hated he hated like Haglin. It's like when's uh, the la- that kind of worked out? Uh, yeah, it's like when's the last time <laughs> that they really that they really had a coach that you're like, yeah, this is this is my guy. Elaine Vigneault this was my nothing. coach. Yeah, David Quinn. David, oh, see, David, David Quinn is kind of the, the blueprint you don't follow if you want to hire a college coach. Yeah. But I think Rand Pecknold brings a lot more to the table, personally, because upheaving that Quinnipiac program to the top is a big, big deal. It's huge. I mean, yeah, I, that, that is a huge indicator. You know, maybe maybe it could be him, which, look, I like Quinnipiac hockey. I'm yeah, down with that. That'd be, I'm, that'd be cool. I'm down. And congratulations to them on their, on their championship this year, as we know. Shout but out. 108 points averaged over two seasons is it's, really impressive. No, it it's, it's, not, it's, it's not bad. But also look at like, the talent on this roster. I think after what they did, I think it's more, it more falls on this year, where like, last year was good. Yeah. And it's, but like, I think you have complaints about like, the way the kids have been developed. I think a lot of that does fall on your land. And it seems like the kids' relationship is not great because when they ask Kako, like, hey, what do you think needs to change for you next year to take that step he talks about playing time again and that's been the big thing that everyone talks about yes. with the kids it's like yeah it's kind of hard not to like Hedl took the step and it was the second best center on this team I yeah. like Trocek but Hedl looks like he's the second best center on this team I actually thought Kako played well even into the playoffs I know Lafreniere dropped a zero pointer throughout the entire playoffs and that it's not a great look but I even thought Lafreniere down the stretch showed flashes and I think he's still clearly further behind Kako and Hedl but like you're gonna need the kids if you're if you're gonna do something, especially in the following years, right? Like, I don't think there's a world where you even come close to re-signing Tarasenko. I don't mm. think you get Kane back unless it's like a one-year, hey, Jeez. get hip surgery and then come back for the playoffs type thing. And like, who are you? Maybe they get Mikola. Maybe they are able to keep Mott. They're in cap hell. Mikola and Mott, I would say. That's kind of almost like the, your if priority. Look, if you're right? looking at the cap, the cap space, I'd say they're the two highest priorities to resign. Well, here's the thing: is that you have Miller's restricted right. free agent and Lafreniere. I would say, even though Miller had an awful postseason, I'd Miller's say Miller's Miller's the priority. Do they not yeah. already extend his contract? Not yet. No. He's oh. in. Yes, yeah, so oh, that's. Rumors and he's gonna get like. If, if Hedo got four, I think Miller's kind of in the same category, three to f- three to four, maybe more. For for as good as this player was in the playoffs, I think if you look at players that are worth getting rid of to help bolster the cap, Barkley Goudreau's mm. towards the top of that list. I think I like Goudreau. He's a good player. I like Goudreau. I think he's gone. Yeah, he's three point six for like the next five years. Yeah, That's it's oh, tough to deal with when you're a team that is already in cap hell. You also have Tyler Mott's uh, 
like contract expiring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think I think uh, I don't know. I think they'll find a way to make him say. I think Laugh is not. Go- I don't think Laugh's going anywhere. And I think if he does, it's in a huge his, trade. His, his deal is going to be weird. His deal is going to be very weird. I I don't know if it's going to be like two years or five years. I have no idea at this point. I don't know. I think Rangers, we can all agree, very disappointing end to the season there for them. Not at all what we maybe hoped for, expected anything, but, you know, you live and you learn, and in the end, it's just puck. There is always next year. And, of course, it's a disappointing year, but, you know, there's always next year. Rangers fans have had to wait 29 years. What's one more? Hey, man, let's make it even 30. Hey, let's make it an even 30. Lundqvist's number. Yeah, exactly. That'd be super cool. That'd be super cool. Lundqvist here. But yeah, oh, maybe they'll do like special stuff for that next year. 30 yeah, years. Since also, Marty Bordeaux's number. So maybe we'll lose to the Devils again next year. Yeah, maybe we will. <laughs> you know, run, run, that, run that back. Run that back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just, we'll just wait on that one. But let us move over to Long Island for a little bit as the Islanders also train get taken down Ron in this is round. The train to this is the train to Ron Konkuma. This stop is. Next stop Ron is Ron Konkuma. <laughs> you can't tell. We here love. Ron Konkuma. Um, Easter Bay. It's a, it's a good name. It's a good what name of a stock. Q Gardens. What about Q Gardens? Oh, good names. Good names. But yes. Mineola. They have Mineola. Family there. Mm. But we have UBS uh, Arena over there, which Jack will not be returning to this year. Uh, sad day. Very sad day. Neither will Nick Palmer, our uh, other beloved, trusted host here on Five on Three. Islanders taken down swiftly. Uh, and painfully, yeah. very, very painfully in first round. They were my team to upset. I they were like, a you know, lot of people's team to upset. They were. I was like, you know, if there's one team that's going to like have an upset in round one, it's got to be the Islanders. They'll take them down in like seven games. It's going to be awesome. Not what happened. Not at all. Yeah, and the other thing that's really frustrating about this series is ex- actually the exact opposite of what I mentioned in the Rangers series where it it felt very lopsided at times. The Islanders, except for the second home game, it was game four, where they were blown out. Every other game, there was some opportunity to win. Like, they lost two games in overtime, both Mm -hmm. games where they had leads in the third period. They stole a huge win on the road in game five, facing elimination that nobody thought that they were going to take. I mean, if you ask anybody who was a betting man, nobody, especially how they had had two just deflating losses to start the series in Raleigh. There was really it was it was laid out there for him and they they couldn't get it done. I I think we kind of fell into this trap where we looked at Carolina, and we went Forecheck doesn't look as good this year. They're down Svechnikov. They're down Pacioretty. This feels like the Islanders' lane. And I think there was a little bit of wishful thinking where it was, you know, we wanted the Islanders to win around the playoffs. We like that for the station. That's good for us. It's good for the local hockey. The further the New York teams go, the better that is for hockey in New York. And you looked at this roster, and the thing I said all year long was the one thing this roster has going for it, in my opinion, is the fact that this roster is essentially the same as the ones that made those Eastern Conference final trips. That core is there. But I think you forget that Carolina is a system team more than anything else, and they have the personnel that matches with their system. And that system, it plays in the playoffs. Took the Rangers to seven games, man. And I don't know— I remember going into Game 7 last year having no confidence because the, the Canes are so dominant at home. But, man, their forecheck, their aggressiveness, and we'll talk about it with the Devils a little bit later, right? Like, they, that team just plays. I think we slept a little bit too hard in the Hurricanes. I think the Islanders did a wonderful job this postseason. They battled. They showed heart. The Islanders were in that series, as you said, Jack, but Carolina's good at what they do. They, I mean, they were faster than New York, too. I mean, you could hmm. tell they finished— 
they they got better opportunities than New York throughout the entire series. They had better looks. You had Ilya Sorokin, who had fantastic games all the way through and would lose on account of basically just Carolina having too many looks. You had New York, who was not able to really match it at any point, except for obviously the two games that they did win, which one of which was the dominant Game 3 victory, which was actually I got to cover. It was really fun. It was the first ever playoff game in UBS Arena. Awesome. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's what's frustrating at the end of the day about this series particularly is having the deciding game that you lose the series on be in front of a home crowd and it was and it will yeah and on a Paul Stastny wrist shot that Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone saw the shot but if you give if you send that shot at Sorokin (laughs) a hundred times he stopped from the 98 from the side of the net that was brutal that was brutal it was a devastating way to end, but I talked about this with Nick Palmer last week. You can't look at this Islanders season, the players they had, the trials and tribulations that they went through last year and be disappointed with the outcome. Yeah. They huh. played they played a better team in the Carolina Hurricanes. It would have taken an, a, a pretty big upset, even though it was an upset we all kind of expected, were hoping to expect. I think there was a bit of wishful thinking in that, but the Hurricanes are a team that had some depletion, had some questions about who their starting goaltender was going to be and these are questions that the New York Islanders did not have to answer they had their best guns going at them they have probably the best goaltender in the league minus Linus Olmark who also had a very bad showing in the playoffs Mm -hmm. not that Sorokin had a bad showing this playoffs but a couple big mistakes here and there and that's going to happen when the Hurricanes play their game like you said they're the best system team in the National Hockey League they're a shots by volume team they will throw the puck at the net as many times as they want just to hope that it sticks and you think that a guy like Sorokin is going to have the advantage against that if it's not the highest quality shots, but once the Islanders started to get worn down in that series because the Carolina Hurricanes pick up the pace, for me that's what that's what like I attribute those like t- sort of mistakes to in Game 6. Like If they're absorbing that much pressure, it's going to mount. And look, the Islanders, for what they were able to put up this year, good season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stuff to build yeah. off of for sure. And I think that core is still locked up for a long term now. You got Bo Horvat locked up long term. It's a lot to be excited about moving forward. So I think that for the Islanders, yeah, it's a rough year, um, rough way to end the year. But overall, successful campaign, I would say, for what they had. And I'm really pumped to see what Ilya Sorokin can do. Because if it's going to be a different Igor, I think it's going to be a different Ilya too. Hmm. So that should be fun. But also, I think one of the most important, because I keep talking about how unfortunate it is for the Islanders, boo-hoo for the Islanders, you know, Whatever, whatever. Hey, let's cry, man. Let's well, yeah, exactly. Some tears Go ahead. There. But the other thing, yeah. well, exactly. Oh, the other thing that we cannot overlook is Frederick Anderson having one of the most impressive performances yeah. I yes. think of the entire playoff so far. I mean, having had some troubles with injuries over the last few years, his starts during the year this year are limited. Then he makes his first playoff start in Game Six, where if they don't win this game, it's going to a Game Seven against an <laughs> Islanders team that, honestly, if they had made Game Seven, I would have said. I, I would have bet on the Islanders. Yeah, yeah. And he comes out, he gives up one goal in the entire game. Rockstar. Yeah, we saw some great goaltending this year, um, especially from him, I would say. And, you know, sad end to the Islanders season, like you said as well. But, I mean, I don't think we expected it to be 
you know, a championship year for them. I think it was just – we didn't even know if they were going to make the yeah, playoffs I mean, they, for a they while. Probably they probably sh- shouldn't games. have made the playoffs for being they real here. Pittsburgh Penguins are the reason the Islanders made the playoffs. They yeah. made it all game 82. Except, yeah. except now I'm wishing that they didn't get the season decided. As a Bruins fan, I'm wishing they didn't get the season decider during yeah. the year against Florida because I would have so much, much rather played the Islanders than Florida if I was yeah, if Florida I was Boston. If you were Boston. Well, speaking of Boston. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's quickly touch on that. I wanted to talk about two first-round flops. Uh <laughs> to humongo first round flops first of all the president's trophy cursed strikes again it's beautiful taken out in the first round the boston bruins by none other than the panthers a money laundering it, franchise i wouldn't say it like that though like i would i would i, I, I would, I, I, I I would like to apologize because i came on this air and said that i didn't want the panthers pace, facing the bruins i wanted the penguins because i thought the penguins would at least make it interesting I said, ver- I said verbatim that the Bruins would walk the Panthers frontwards, backwards, sideways, <laughs> all around. <laughs> I would like to formally apologize to the Florida Panthers. I don't know puck. I'm sorry. He I don't, does not I'm not going to pretend puck. like I watched that much Panthers hockey except for when they played the Rangers and they didn't look good. I'm I sorry. Just, you took it to a different level. A You're team. actually pretty competitive. You're a very good team. I'm sorry. Well, okay, the reason I was agreeing with you, I mean, I wasn't on the air when you said that, but I would agree because last year they did get walked in the playoffs. Last year I said— As the President's Trophy. Yeah, literally, as the President's Trophy winners. Last year I was like, you know what? This is their year. Like, they're making it out. I had them far in my bracket, and they got absolutely smacked upon. So this year I was like, well, they're going against a literally historic Boston Bruins team. Quite literally, record-breaking historic team. It did nothing. Boston just did not show up. And, man, I was looking at, like, pictures of, like, Pasta and Bergeron after and Mm. just watching them, like, cry on the bench. I was like, man, that's – I'm not a Boston fan. That is – that is sad. And I want to talk about them, and I also want to talk about the Avalanche because the reigning Stanley Cup champions also taken out in the first round by a brand-new team making their first ever postseason appearance, the Seattle Kraken. So let's let's touch on Boston first. Jack, I know you have lots to say. So I just have – I want to start this off by posing one question. Go ahead. Because this is kind of the take that I've been rolling with, but like I'm open to having my mind changed. Do you think goaltending single-handedly lost Boston this series? Like single-handedly? No. I don't know about single-handedly, no. but it played a big part. It played big a big part. part. I'll give it a good 80%. I, I will say even 80%. 80 sounds like a bit high to me because part of the reason I was so disappointed with the Bruins run, not that I really had – an interest in who won or didn't. I I can't say I really cared, but I was disappointed. You're just relieved the Bruins are out of it now. I I was a, I'm a bit relieved, I guess, for the Devils' sake. Not that they're there yet, you know. But um, I was ready to say that this Bruins team did something that I've never seen in the NHL before this season, and that was just take games one after the other like they were nothing. They yeah. would show up. They would show up. And they would outwork teams. They would outskill teams. They would get goals at the perfect time. They just seemed to always know what they were doing. And they didn't look like that in the playoffs. They looked clueless. They looked like they couldn't even compete with the Panthers' work ethic, which is, to me, that's that goes sure. against what Boston hockey is all about. That's Absolutely. why they go for guys like Bertuzzi, Nick Felino, and Orlov to be supplemental guys. They don't even work their game around those mm-hmm. guys. And those guys are contributors in big-time moments. And now we're looking at the Bruins. The, the future looks a little bit bleak now because— It's just the end of the it's end the, of the, the reign. It's the end of the big core, but it's yeah. also it's also like it's not like they don't have— Pasternak, Taylor Hall, Brad Marchand, Charlie Coyle, Jake DeBrusque for multiple years because that's a really good core of players you can build around. But it's sad because the guys of your the yesterday, the guys who have won Stanley Cups, the guys who have 
made Boston a dynasty in this era. Eh, dynasty's maybe a bit harsh, but close, to, close to that. Right. Um, and those a are guys staple. like Bergeron and and Krejci and and you look uh, down the list of players. Seven or eight guys are definitely gone from the Bruins next year. So this is going to be it's going to be a big change in Boston, which is for the year that they had, for what they were able to do, no other team in NHL history was able to do it and look that good doing mm-hmm. it. So this has got to be the biggest disappointment of the playoffs by far. I just think it's so funny, the year that the Leafs' first-round curse falls to the wayside, that yeah. the President's Trophy curse gets that much stronger yeah. to a point where like this this is the new curse of hockey now. This is the best team in the NHL that just lost in the first round to the worst playoff team. Are they the worst playoff team in the NHL? Since the Panthers, the Panthers by points? I think by points. Maybe, are they maybe a point yeah. ahead of, of Winnipeg or are they below? I'm, it, it I would, will look that History has not right been now. kind to them either way. No, it has not. Let's they are. See. I am of the, sh- the Panthers were 90 92. Yeah, they 92. were the lowest. They, they were the lowest. One behind the Islanders. The lowest team in the playoffs this year. That's who the, that's who the Bruins lost to. I know, Jack, you've talked about all the coming from behind wins that they had, but I just watching the Bruins play, like, they were a machine. Yeah. Well, no, and the reason that I mentioned the come from behind wins, though, is because I think one of the biggest pushes that helped Florida win this series was that they were able to, to match the energy that Boston yeah. had. They yeah. were able to match the athleticism, and they had the consistency. They, How often do you see a team score five goals and lose? Like It doesn't happen that often. It really doesn't. Mm. 7-5 final. Florida puts up seven on Boston. Yeah. They were able to match Boston. And then the other thing is, you got to understand, during the season, Boston had, I, I, this is the statistic that was mentioned, they had 24 come-from-behind victories. They were mm. second in the league in come-from-behind victories. Behind, who had 26? Oh, it was the Devils. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Okay, well, we know who sorry, you like, James. Sorry, yeah, sorry. blah, 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 blah. You're not sorry at all. Well, no, no. but it, I'm not. I'm not. Well, exactly, but it's one thing when it's during the season and it's one-off games where you're seeing a team one time during the week and – all right, you, you get out to a deficit behind them, but you're able to battle back, and you can do that consistently. When you're in a series where you know the the stakes are higher, you're playing the same game, po- same team, possibly seven games in a row. You can't fall into this trap of consistently falling behind because there were a few games where Florida did strike first, and mm-hmm. that's that was the difference maker in the game. Uh, go ahead. Sam. Oh no, oh, please. Okay. Oh, I will, I'll go I will. after you. Okay. <laughs> so I was, if I there's one team I'm looking at in the NHL that I don't want to play against right now, it's the Florida Panthers because. Their ability to to be on the back foot and still win games is something that no other team in the league is doing right now. Yeah. The Kraken took the games to the, to the Avalanche, and that's why they won that series. The Panthers matched the Bruins' energy for sure, but they were still able to take hits on the chin and go at it and score timely goals. That is something that scares me as someone who roots for a team that likes to have total control of the game. And if I'm looking at the Maple Leafs, that's their game too. The Hurricanes, that's their game. The Panthers are going to be evenly matched up well whoever they get in this round and the next round. I would pick them to go to the cup from the East right now. And I know the that's Panthers? a bold, that is a bold prediction, but if I'm looking at the way that they play, they match up so nicely against these teams. Maddie Kachuk, uh, uh, all these running down your throat. They're going to be Brandon Montour. Brandon dude. Montour oh has been a, like He's Norris a caliber monster. this playoffs. Yeah. He's been ridiculous. Aaron Ekblad has been an afterthought on that blue line. Yeah. How is that even possible? And they, and look, Sergei Bobrovsky, I know they had two choices in goal that they could have gone with, but Bob is him. He's a big-time player, oh. all right? Bobrovsky is that guy, and I, I would pick him out of any of the goalies left on the Eastern Conference in the playoffs, too, as much as I love Akira Schmidt. Mm, okay. Yeah, interesting. 
we'll address that. But um, I want to quickly, we have to wrap up pretty soon, but quickly, I just want to, I don't even know if I can lament the loss, the avalanche had against the Kraken. I honestly don't care. Like, <laughs> like if I can be super real, I don't care. I never expected it. As soon as I knew Gabe was not coming back, I was like, we're done. Like, that's it. He was such a big difference maker. He's a huge difference maker in morale. Gabe Landeskog did not come back to the Avalanche. And, of course, then they got taken to seven by the Kraken. The Kraken won. And, frankly, the Kraken deserved to win. They outskated the Avs. The Avs looked slow. They looked tired. They looked overworked. All of these things, not to mention they were, once again, plagued by injury. A player quite literally broke their neck, mm. um, if we cannot forget that. I think it was Jesus. Cogliano. Was that who it was? It was uh, a. Yeah, I think it was, it was Cogs. Yeah. Nachushkin wasn't even there for like non-hockey reasons too. So yeah, Nachushkin so was yeah. Nachushkin was not there for non-hockey reasons. Cogs takes a hit, goes into the uh, boards, skates off, taken to the uh, locker room. Later comes out that he has fractured his neck, courtesy of that hit. You have Kale McCarr out for a game because he was penalized after he had to go for a, a suspension hearing mm-hmm. after a hit that he had against someone. Was it Tana? I don't know who it was. So on. But that's the thing is like there were so many things working against them. And honestly, I don't care. Like you won a cup last year. I'm satisfied. I got to see it in my lifetime. I'm good for the moment. Um, And I do want to talk quickly about the Devils in their new series. Now, as we head to round two, we'll do some quick predictions after we say Devils right now getting shown left, right and center that they still got some work to do by this team. But there's a lot of series left. You never know. But, James, your initial thoughts, because we were at Block F last night and everyone yeah. was checking the uh, the score of the uh, Canes-Devils game and everyone was like, this is awful. Yeah, that uh, the first period was the worst period the Devils have played all season long. Yeah. Bad time to have that, but also a good time to maybe at intermission where they look back and said, all right, that was the worst period of the year. Got to turn it up. We're playing a different team now. We're playing a team that... Has a much more aggressive forecheck, much more aggressive in the neutral zone. Jordan Stahl is going to follow Jack Hughes around on the ice everywhere he goes. And they rolled with the punches a lot better in the second. They start off the second period with that goal to, um, I don't know who put it in, but it was when Jordan Martineau kind of rips off Siegenthaler's helmet. He has to go off. People were asking for that to be a penalty. I think it's really hard to have given that a penalty, but it was just bad timing for the Devils. You can't really blame that goal on anybody. Siegenthaler has to leave the ice, and it's just an open shot in front of the net. But that second period was the Devils' period to win. Nathan Bastian has that beautiful goal off the rush. But it was really, that was the Devils turned it up and started playing their game. But P.K. Subban said it at the, at the end of the second period. And Ryan Callahan brought it up too. Ryan Callahan was like, the Devils, they look like the Devils that lost 5-1 to two games to the Rangers. Mm-hmm. But they grew into the game more, which is why I'm less worried. I, after game two against the Rangers, I, I went home to my apartment Locked myself in my room, watched the 2012 highlights, and got real emotional. All right, so <laughs> so I'm not ready to. Such a clear image. I'm not ready to do that this year, uh, this series yet, because of the way the Devils grew in the game. Mm-hmm. They got more used to the pace of play after period one. They're gonna get more used to that as the series goes on, and I think they're going to have a much better showing in game two. I'm not guaranteeing a win because I don't think that they looked good enough for that. Um, Akira Schmid getting pulled after the third goal too. I I I was really worried about that decision. I think Vanacek was at fault for the fourth goal. Um, I still think Schmidt starts game two. Lindy Ruff cleared it up. He wasn't pulling Schmidt out for his performance. Yeah. He was pulling it out just to get a different look for the team, which, looking back, that's what veteran coaches will know. They'll know how how to change up a game like that just through personnel. I think Luke Hughes might come into the lineup somewhere or the other just Luke to get the skating going, Hughes. the speed, the puck play. Needs to be better from the blue line, especially when you're absorbing all that Sebastian Ajo, Martin Natchez type pressure. It's going to be tough to do, but I have a lot of faith that the Devils will bounce back. They've been in this position before. They've been down 5-1. 
I think they're playing a tougher team, a quicker team, a team that matches up against them better. We're going to make what the Devils do best, which is skate through the neutral zone, zone entry, and shot volume. The Hurricanes do that really well, and they're going to make it really tough on the Devils. That's why game one has to be a learning experience. You have to look at that first period and the third period and say, this is what it started. This is how much better it got. It has to be continually better into game two. But the Hurricanes blue line, man, they are so good at limiting your opportunities and your entries into the zone. And that's what scares me most about the Devils, because if they can't do that, they're going to get outplayed in every game. Yeah. So that's, that's where it needs to change. Right on. Devils in seven. Devils in seven. I was going to say, let us, let's go to our predictions now. Um, we're going to rapid fire through the series that remain. I will say the uh, two teams, and then you will tell me who, and if you know in how many games, how many games. Lou, I suppose we'll start with you since you just listed yours, but say it again for the uh, for continuity, Canes, Devils. Devils. Devils in seven. I, I have faith in the Devils. They're going to even say it's going to be a, a gutsy playoff series. These are two really fun, really fast teams. Rock on. James. I'll go Devils in seven as well, just because I, I have to back my boys, but I'm worried that if they can't figure out how to control the game by game three, that they don't have a good enough plan B yeah. to be able to win as the as the team that's not controlling the pace. So I'll go Devils in seven because I, I hope I think they will figure it out. Sure. Jack. I think judging off the Islanders series and seeing a team that is objectively not as good as the Devils be able to go toe to toe, or at least in my opinion, I think they went toe to toe. With the Canes, I'm also going Devils in seven. Rock on. I will also take Devils in seven. Oh, so there yeah. we go. We're very, very uniform. Thanks, uh, guys. Staying with the East, Panthers, Toronto. Uh, Jack, you go first this time between the Panthers and the Maple Leafs. I have Florida in six. Okay. Mm. Florida in six. Really? I, I got Florida in seven. Okay. They've been down one nothing in a series before. It hasn't mattered. Give me Leafs in six. This is the year for them. I'm going with Lou. Leafs in six. I want the Leafs. They already broke... The first round curse, and you know what? It's They're only sky's okay. the limit. It is sky's the limit from here, and good for them. Uh, moving over to the West, Kraken, Stars, Lou. I love Jake Ottinger, one of my favorite goalies in the league. Mm-hmm. I will take Stars and seven. Seattle's been awesome. They'll battle, but give me Stars. Okay. I'm also James. going Stars and seven. The X factor is on the Stars. You're not going to get four goals from anybody on the Kraken. Joe Pavelski's oh, four goals. What were, a tragic, mm. what a tragic, tragic event, to, first of all. Yeah. Two games in lose, which yeah. a player scores four goals. Both their teams lose. Both That's their teams crazy. lose between uh, Pavelski and Andreas Idol. But I think night. that like that also speaks to, wow, if we get other players going, we should win. Yeah. So I'm going to go Stars in seven. They've got probably the best goalie left in the playoffs. Rock on, Jack. I'm also going to go with Dallas in seven. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Kraken in six. Okay. I, you know what? I know the Kraken took down my beloved Avalanche, but at this point, ro- I rock with the Kraken. I'm like, good for you. I like the team. I like the franchise. I like what they stand for. I like everyone I've met from that franchise, and their jerseys are freaking wicked. They're sick. Dude, their jerseys. Yes. They have some of the best jerseys. Sick in the jersey, league. sick logo. Sick jersey, awesome sick logo. logo. Amazing mascot. The, Bowie, you've got my heart. I troll. love you. I love you. Yes, the Bowie little, the troll. The little red eye in the top of the S, too. That, it's, oh, it's seals fun. the deal. It's Whoever designed that logo props they um, did they did it right too because those are very like loud colors like, they are like it's an awesome. interesting shade of blue and and kraken, a vibrant red and it's a yeah and the kraken, a kraken is also a very like interesting figure it's very I it's very it. loud like I yeah said. and i think there's definitely a way that they could have messed it up like they did not it, and they absolutely did not those are some of the coolest uniforms I've ever seen. every jersey rocks even their reverse retro even though they can't really have a reverse retro because they're brand new but yeah. still love them last vegas edmonton jack i got oilers and seven Rock on. Burley. Also going Oilers in seven. Rock on. I'll go Oilers in six. I'm also going Oilers in six. Wow. I think this is the year. I hope, dear God, Connor McDavid <laughs> deserves a championship. 
He is so good. How about Leon? Leon Dreisaitl deserves a championship. Zach Hyman, my Jewish king, my beloved (laughs) Jewish king. He deserves a championship. I love him. I love his name because his last name is literally Chai, which is life in Hebrew. So it's life man. That's literally his last name. Shout out Zach Aston Reese. What does he do? What, what, what does Zach Aston Reese That's an inside joke for Loriolo and Loriolo alone, but Zach Aston Reese, shout out. And with that, that will just about wrap up our episode here. I know we ended on a much, uh, I don't even know, much speedy rapid fire uh, sequence there. But, you know, it's what we got to do. We got to keep it snappy here at oh, WFB. Yeah. It also ended not as depressing as the beginning, which is a good. It it's did good. not. That was planned. Which is good. But, yeah, Welcome that was five planned. Three, Welcome to 5 on 3, Jack. Heck it's, most, yeah. it's an emotional roller coaster. It's a happy podcast. It is. Jack, welcome but to the show. Welcome Thank to the you show. Very much. Jack I can't wait to be back. Great first show. I can't wait to be back. Yes, for Jack Warner, James Burley, and Lou Orlando, I am Samantha Bohr. Thank you all for tuning into Five on Three. Five on Three is a production of WFUV Sports.